Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 161 of the Apple Out Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Bose All Natural Brewing. Check out their lug tread. It's crisp, balanced, and refreshing. How could it be all three things, you ask? I don't know. Check out lug tread. It's a lagered ale. It's a term they coined. It's fermented like an ale and cold aged like a lager. It's been Bose's flagship since they opened in 2006. And as of 2017, it's now available in 355 milliliter cans for the first time and has won more than 20 awards. The Kissmeyer Norder Pale Ale is a delicious drink. Their Wag the Wolf is part of their Wild Oats series. And Tom Green Cherry Milk Stout is delicious and yummy. And it's, uh, it's, it's good. Their full-time IPA is Hoppy Fruity and Bold. It's their newest full-time brand, which is how they got the name. This medium-bodied ale finishes dry with lingering hop and fruit notes. So pick up bows anywhere it's sold. Nationwide in Canada. And if you want to get it from the United States, you're going to have to cross the border and go get it from there. So go to www.bows.ca for more info on the great products they have. And hey, Amazon shoppers, do you like to shop on Amazon? Of course you do. Why don't you shop on Amazon and support the show at the same time by going to applelog.ca slash Amazon or applelog.ca slash US Amazon for United States people down there. It's called a redirect. And if you enter that URL, you'll be redirected to Amazon and you will be able to shop with ease, support the show, and it will cost you no extra money. If you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can go to applelog.ca and click on the banners located on the right side. Locate your country and bookmark those links and the same thing. When you shop on Amazon, use those links to shop and support the show. If you want to support the show on a monthly basis and you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash applelog. Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. Go to applelog.ca slash shop and buy a t-shirt. If you're on iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars. It really helps out with the ranking and where the show sits on the scheme of things. Like the show on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have Lisa McEwen. Lisa McEwen is a singer-songwriter. She spent some time down in Nashville. She sings mostly country stuff, and she has a Christmas song. And the Christmas song is going to be played at the end of the show. Here she is, Lisa McEwen on the Apple Podcast. We spoke a little bit before we started, but tell me, you were originally from Oakville, right? That's right. Okay, so you're born there? Born and raised in Oakville. Yeah. Uh, born and raised in Oakville and um, went to high school at White Oaks. You know, kind of loved, I've always loved music. Mm-hmm. I tried to get into some musical theater and stuff and actually did some community work. Um, let's see, I did um, some Oakville and Meadowvale Theater. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. And um, and then went on to Humber College where I studied voice, jazz, jazz-based. What, what era was that? What years or, or areas of time was that? Uh, that I went to Humber? Yeah. That would have been 2002 uh-huh. to 2000, what would that be? 2000, 
2005. Yeah, yeah, okay. I had a friend that went there, though, more in the 90s to Humber. Humber Jazz has sort of got a great, it's a great course. Like, it's a great system, and a lot of people go in there musicians-wise and come out great musicians. It's a, uh, I would say it's the best in Ontario when it comes to that type of thing. Yeah, I, I knew that I didn't want to do classical. Mm-hmm. So, and I knew I wanted to do music. So jazz kind of seemed like that was really my only other option. And Humber really is, you know what? It's a great, um, it offers one of the, one of the best programs I'd say. Yeah. 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 So you, did you, so the whole thing with, with going to school for music, it's, is it, is there any compositional kind of stuff in there or is it all fundamentals of jazz and like, how does it work? Yeah, it was on, it feels like it's a bit of a blur now, but, um, yeah, it was more like fundamentals, did a bit of composing, but honestly I was so, um, you know, a few things that happened that were really key for me in changing my direction. As far as I knew I wanted to do country music as a performer, mm-hmm. but some things happened that I realized I wanted to be a songwriter as well. And I feel like while I was busy trying to learn jazz, I was also like going in practice modules, writing my own country songs with yeah. any kind of downtime that I had. So mm-hmm. I was a little distracted. But. What was your influences of country? Um, honestly, I, I was the only one in my house that really was into country and I just got into it as a teenager. So I kind of started listening when it was people like Faith Hill, and Jody Messina and um, the Dixie Chicks. They, they were all huge at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, Shania Twain, of course. So I got really into all that stuff. Yeah. I worked a lot with the band called the Small Town Pistols, which used to be the Wilkinsons. Yes. So I've known those guys for five, six years now. And they're good good folks, good people. And my whole thing with country music is is I only really liked, like, I love it for some reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, really? That was it. I mean, for some reason, what country really hit me was either like first generation, like Hank Williams Sr., um, you know, Patsy Cline, or La Lovett. You know, there was no other real country, you know. Right. Small Town Pistols, I do love them. Um, Yes, I've I've met them and and, uh, chatted with them at the CCMAs. And yeah, they are awesome. They're good people. Yes, absolutely. That's one thing I noticed about country when it comes to festivals and things like that, that you, although you get your rock stars and you get your sort of weirdos and you get your sort of like ego maniacs, there's still like, there's some good people, you know what I mean? Like, especially when you meet some of the road crew who've been doing it for years and yeah, it's just a, it's a good, feels more of a community based thing, but some country folk might look at this talk, tell me I'm full of shit, but that's what I got. No, out. no, you know what? It definitely has, it's sort of, um, I mean, that's what I found in Nashville too, right from the beginning is everybody has kind of welcomes you with open arms mm-hmm. and tries to help everyone. Honestly, of course there is those times where they're not always as willing, but overall everyone is kind of trying to help everyone else along. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because, sorry. I was just going to say, cause I think their theory is like, may the best man win. So, I mean, you know, it's not like someone's going to t- steal their thunder if you introduce them to the, somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Tyler still goes down there to write. Um, he goes down there like I don't know how many times a year, but he, he goes down there for twelve days and writes like twelve songs or maybe even more. In, oh yeah, in that period, and that's a that's a huge thing, you know, for Canadians is to go to Nashville, and and, and you did go down there, right? You you moved down there. Okay. How fast after college was it? uh let me think graduated in the spring and i moved down there 
in that following fall. Mm-hmm. What so what I, got you down there? Like, because you obviously were writing songs, and did did you just go down there, or did you meet somebody that sort of said you got to go do that, or that's the place to go? Yeah, so I had taken a few trips because I guess I just started watching shows about my favorite singers, and they all said, you know, well, I picked up and moved to Nashville, so I thought that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it was it was calling me. So I ended up um, meeting and being in touch with an amazing songwriter named Victoria Banks. So she's written hits for people like um, Sarah Evans and uh, a bunch of other people. And we met at a songwriting workshop, basically. And anyway, we kept in touch and she really guided me and she said, you know, here's how I did it. She's from from Muskoka originally. And uh, so I kind of followed in her footsteps. So I went down there, uh, you know, kind of on the sly and I ended up, man, you know, searching for a roommate. It's so hard when you, when you're not legal, cause you can't, yeah. set, you can't even set up things like at the time, your phone line and just basic things like that. So anyway, ended up actually connecting with friends who are like family now. Um, and they said, yeah, we have an extra room if you want to stay. So that was incredible yeah. so I to stay with them and, and work on my writing and stuff. Yeah. Gordy, Gordy Sampson still lives down there, right? Mm-hmm, he yeah. does. Yeah. I don't, I've never met him, but I worked for Ashley McIsaac for a few, few, a while. And, uh, Gordy is part of that as well as, uh, Stuart Cameron and other people sort of in that elk. And, uh, I really, I think Gordy's, he's written like hundreds of songs, like hundreds of songs. Oh yeah. He's for, incredible. And he's down there still, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to get him on this yeah. show really bad, but um, yeah. keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. No, I'm just saying I'm right. He's busy, but you know what? It'd be worth having him for sure. Yeah, definitely. All those Canadians kind of connect down there somehow. Yeah. Well, they have the SoCan house down there now, or that's been there for a while, but that place is hard to find a room. That's what someone told me about this. The, there's a house just for SoCan members. It is. And you know what's so funny about that is the week I was moving down, I was in touch with somebody who said, hey, we're, we're trying this new thing. It's called the SoCan House. You should connect with this person and see if we can get in. So I was actually the very first person to stay at the SoCan oh, House. Wow. Which was really cool. And then come to find out, it's like the hardest thing to book now. Oh, it's packed. Yeah, there's always yeah. always somebody. It's, it's filled. Safe. Yeah. Well, it's a great concept. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about this whole can- Canadian content rules and things? Because we're still in that that sort of like that way we radio needs to play a certain amount of Canadian music. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, there's trouble to be paid. And like, wh- where do you think we fit now? I think, well, I personally, I think we're in a stronger industry than we were 30 years ago, but like how much stronger are we? Like, do we need Canadian Canadian content anymore? That's a really interesting question because, huh? I honestly feel a little bit torn because sometimes I feel like there are songs on the radio it just because they are Canadian content and they don't maybe meet up to the level that they should, but they're being played because, or maybe they're really old mm-hmm. songs and we're not hearing newer songs that maybe are actually better or more, more current um, just because they have the Canadian content. But at the same time, it really does help artists, you know, who are Canadian. I don't know. I'm honestly torn about that. Yeah. I mean, if you take away, well, I know what Americans think. They think it's they think it's bullshit. But uh, if you take that look at it and go, well, there's certain parts of the American dream that is all about fighting and trying and 
you know, you sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And Canada's kind of not really fundamentally that way. Canada's about, let's give you a help. We need everybody needs a help and everybody gets a hand and this is That's great. Right. But at the same time, it lessens competition. So if you happen to be a mediocre or medium level Canadian artist that gets played on the radio, you're going to get played on the radio more than a very talented American or something to the effect of. And That's- it's tough, you know, because then that makes the bar kind of lower. So therefore you're not really... I don't know. But I think a lot of people look look at America still and say, that's the place. That's the place to go and make your life and make your living. Like, would you move down there next year? I wouldn't move down there, but would you? To, to well, be a, a popular I, musician? I did live there. And yeah. honestly, my thinking is, and maybe a lot of people will disagree with me here, but I mean, I feel like that's where you need to be if that's where you want to play with the big dogs. Yeah. And exactly what you said about the CanCon, well, that's just it. I mean, the bar is set down there so it doesn't matter you know what your background is you just have to be good enough mm-hmm. i mean of course there's always politics involved but like you say with canada it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best song it just means yeah. you're fitting in the nice box of cancon we're such so- a small little country if you think about the industry you know i run into people i've known for 20 years that i just run into them and you're like hi you're still doing this yep so am i okay good to see you that's right it's- that's right yeah. um yeah Sorry, I got to shut my phone off on my, uh, <laughs> so, so you live down there and you, and you wrote and, and you got some success out of it. Um, how long ago was that? Like, was that before kids and marriage or? Uh, it was before, yep. Before all that good stuff. So, um, I'm trying to think I'm 34 now. I moved down there when I was about 23 and, um, yeah so yeah and i did have some success like now that i look back at the time here's the thing like you say when you're with those other people in nashville and america and you you know you think if you don't have this number one song in america that you're not you're not doing that great but you know what i had little cuts on indie artists happening for me i had people like tim mcgraw holding my songs meaning of course uh that just means they're thinking about putting it on the record yeah. and things like that, which at the time I was like, that's not good enough. Yeah. I want the real deal. Right. But now I look back and go, geez, you know, I was, I was doing it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Was, yeah. If they put a hold on it, that means you can't do it with anybody else, which is, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm torn. My, well, our, my, our friend Tyler had a hold with a little big town song. I don't know if it actually made it on, but it's a really good song, and if they want it, they can hang on to it as long as they want until that's they right. say we don't want it anymore, which can be never, because that's how when you're getting new music and things like that. That's a that's a neat game. I mean, I, yeah. Did you did you kind of write in the vein of like becoming a successful person? Like, what was your your? Because a lot of people write for art, a lot of people write for success. I mean, like, what what ratio success to art were you in this in the, as as a twenty three year old? You know songwriter Hmm, that's a great question so i think mainly at that time i was i really wanted to get some big cuts so i was trying to write with that in mind right you're trying to think of you you find out keith urban is cutting next month so you are trying to think like keith urban or what would he want to hear and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but there were these times where i would just be quiet on my own and i would write by myself see nashville's a very big co-writing town uh so it's constantly five days a week co-writing but um, on my own, I would kind of sit and do my own thing for myself, like you say, sort of as art. And people 
have since kind of said, you know, those are your strong songs because those are the ones really coming from your heart. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at the time, yes, I was kind of writing for for artists, and now I definitely do more of, you know, what feels good for me, and I find that that resonates with people a lot, a lot more. I agree with you. I, it, like, I feel like I should have really been doing that a lot sooner, but it took me a while to figure that out. Well, if you're twenty something years old and you're writing songs about from the heart, it's a lot different than. 10 years from now, you're not even fully developed as an adult. Your brain isn't fully developed. So it's tough to become, you know, write something that resonates on levels. Because when you write a song and people can resonate, like uh, appreciate it for four or five different reasons, four or five different people listen to it four or five different ways and it's good, you're on to something. I mean, that's songwriting to a T. If you're so on the nose and saying, you know, I I like stuff, here's the stuff I like, and... That's why I like it and go to the chorus. You know, you know what I mean? Like That's right. That's but I mean if you say it on a level like in a in a in a in a way that people like, yeah, I like stuff too. You know, because I mean? you're kinda you're kinda hypnotizing people into thinking like you, I think, when you're writing songs, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, you definitely get in a different headspace. Uh yeah, when you're trying to and that's the thing too, when you're down there in Nashville, it's a whole different game right so everyone's thinking like that mm-hmm. you kind of do get caught up in that yeah you know and you and you're being paid to be a songwriter so it's like geez if i don't produce it's my job now right yeah so excuse me so when you when you're sort of like on a deadline do you, do you find yourself do you work better on a deadline or do you f- sorry excuse me one <laughs> second totally fine oh my goodness getting knocked on the door here by my son sorry go ahead oh do you um what was i saying uh do you write better under pressure uh you know what i don't know i don't honestly i don't think so i don't think so but lately a friend of mine um she's been writing a little bit for film and television and we've kind of bounced ideas off of each other. And so I found that really cool and a totally different way of writing because she'll kind of give me some ideas of what they're looking for, you know, or what the theme is. Yeah. And so I don't necessarily like this idea of like, okay, by Tuesday it needs to be done. But the thought of this is sort of the vibe they're looking for. I, that's a cool challenge to me. Yeah, I did that once. I wrote a theme song to a kid's show in like 2003 um, for uh, like a BBC show and it was the most on the nose lyrics you know what i mean but but that's that's what gets played still all the time when it's in syndication the show and it's played all over the world but that's the thing that's like nobody has no idea nobody has an idea like who it is what band it is or when it was written or why you know (laughs) i talked to a guy who worked on who was scoring it and i go yeah what do you think of the theme song goes yeah it's pretty good i'm like yeah that's me he goes what well i thought it was just some guy from england you know (laughs) so i was like Funny. No, that's me. That was me. So there, you know, so there is a faceless side of it. You know, you're you're trying to, you in the yeah, the sound of like stuff that that confuses me because it's like, well, we don't want to pay for that happy song, but we want a song that kind of sounds like that song. Yeah. So go forth, write that song, come back in a day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes that's a fun challenge. Yeah. 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 Some friends of mine are really good at that stuff. You know, I I'm. I don't think I would be. <laughs> I don't know if I could do consistently, you know, like 
Yeah. 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 I was working with a, with a guy who, who went and got all these CDs because we had to sound modern. The, the score had to sound modern. So he went and got all this modern stuff like Limp Biscuit. Like this is like 15 years ago now. Like all this sort of modern music. And I go, one of them was a band I'd worked for. And I go, I can't write a sound like that sounds like that band. I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But there is something cool about studying, um, you know, studying a certain type of music to figure out, okay, what is it that makes that sound? Yeah. Like if they are looking for something specific. So that is kind of a cool, I just love, I think I just love all of the creative side of that. Yeah. Well, my friend and I were on a, on a conversation like this and he was wearing a Huey Lewis in the News t-shirt. And I, that was one of the first concerts I ever saw when I was a kid. And yeah. I said, uh, oh, we should do that sports album. We should record it, like, like how it sounds. Like, we'll cover it. And he goes, okay. And then two weeks later, he's like, I've learned all the drums, so let's start this. And we haven't finished it. And we have like the guy from the singer from the salad singing on it and we yeah. played most of the instruments. And it was really fun to dissect like that type of music because it was written in a day where there wasn't any real electronic helping, you know. Mm -hmm. So all the yeah. synthesizers were like monophonic. So we'd have to do like two tracks because they were harmonized with each other. Like it was just this fun experiment. And we never finished it because it was like one of these silly things that we thought, oh, it'd be so much fun to do. And uh, <laughs> didn't get but that. But that's good. It, it ex exercises that creative side of your brain. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So after moving, so you did, you, so you had a, you had a show. Was it a show down there? Did, when you moved home, did you start a show? Okay, so at Fallsview Casino. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, it all, I got um, cast to do it while I was in Nashville, and mm -hmm. then they flew us back to Fallsview um, Casino in Niagara Falls, Ontario. So I was still living down there, and then I would come up, and it was a show called Six Chicks, and it fe featured uh, six of us, and we got to do original songs um, as well as uh, our favorite covers in a big production show. Mm-hmm you know, all the best lighting and sound. And that was really cool. How long ago was that? Now that would have been 2009. Cause I have a friend who worked down there. His name's Ken McNeil. Um, he doesn't work there. I don't think anymore. And another friend of mine, Wayne Berge, they both lived down at work down at Fallsview as soundmen. Oh, as soundmen. Yeah. That's a, that sounds familiar. Ken was the, he was there longer. I think he was there for since 2000 or mid two thousands at least. Yeah, because this would have been, yeah, 2008, 2009. Yeah. And you were in the larger theater part, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You would have worked with one of two of those guys for sure. Yeah, I bet you I did. Yeah. 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 So how Everything long, great. How long did that show run for? Uh, so Six Chicks, let me, I think I did it for a couple of years and it would go for, it was a four week run, I believe. Wait, no, I'm sorry. That was two weeks. Um, and I also did they did a cruising classics show so it was the same production company cruising classics was fun too so it was obviously all the 50s mm -hmm. music and stuff and that was a bigger run those were those are four weeks at a time yeah so you do how many shows a day like one or two so for six chicks we did one a night then we would do two on saturday and two on sunday i believe yeah, yeah. well i guess it's a, it's not really hard work if it's <laughs> oh, it's so it's so fun, honestly. Yeah, yeah. When you uh, so if you do, it's almost like being on tour. Only you don't have to go anywhere. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you do much touring? Did you do any touring? No. So you know, it's funny. When I was in Nashville, I just played all the songwriter rounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't venture out a whole lot 
at that time. Maybe the odd time we went to, uh, I think it was Alabama, we did a show once. Uh, but not until I kind of came home and then started doing live shows around here because you kind of have to go and find them and <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So moving home, um, did you, have you had enough of Nashville? Because I hear that a lot. I mean, people are like, I got burnt out. It was just too much and there's too much going on. And, you know, was, was that sort of, what were the thoughts of moving home? No, it was a bit crazy. Um, I was engaged and my husband moved back here and I was going to just make trips back and forth both ways. Mm -hmm. And then I got pregnant. And at the time I had just signed a new publishing deal, of course, where everyone's awfully supportive and so happy for you, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> they terminated my contract. Um, I mean, without saying anything, of course, because I was pregnant and I had been going back and forth and um same with a lot of the i had a show which one was it i had a big show lined up at fallsview too country classics um they terminated the contract for that too so that because you were it. pregnant well they supposedly couldn't say that but well of course, yes. it seems almost <laughs> like a big old coincidence right uh of course yeah because i would be showing right and um they can do what they want right so because that's what it says in the contract too. If you get fat, <laughs> uh, no, but it says it basically says they can terminate contracts based on it, like however they see. Oh, so it's not really a contract; it's just sort of their way to screw you over. Yeah, if they need to. Ah, <laughs> oh, exactly. it's, it's so anyway. So I was going to go back and forth, yeah. but um, and then life happens, right? Then you yeah. have babies, and then it's harder to get down there. So I was still going down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but the traveling gets wearing on you. So it wasn't the business, but then, so if you can imagine the people that said they were supportive of me, as far as the, you know, writing with my publishing deal and things like that, um, when they, <laughs> then they let you go, I totally had a sour taste in my mouth for that because it was like, oh, geez, I thought we had something going here. Yeah. So I needed a minute to kind of go, what am I doing? And this is. Yeah, it's a tough business, of course. Yeah. I'm not naive to that. I know that it is, but um, but yeah, there's not a lot of industries out there where you're creating something out of your brain, um, you're putting it into a physical or a software mode, and it's getting consumed by people. And there's no real way to gauge how it's being consumed because no one's really made a proper system on how to actually, you know, legitimately figure it out. Unless you're on Spotify, which you get screwed over anyways. Exactly. Or, or Apple Music or any yeah. of those streaming services. So there's so you're in this industry where you make art and then you're treated like it's a um, widget. And, and the thing that drives me up the wall, drives me crazy with that, is that the widget isn't the important part. It's how the widget came to the people and how, how it was presented. And if someone hold, is the gatekeeper of how who gets the widgets... I have a big problem with that. You know what I mean? Like I do. And, and to me, it should be like, honesty is a big thing. You know, when it comes to, if you're selling something, if you go sell carpet to people and you look them in the eye and say, I'm going to give you this great deal. That's an agreement you've made with that person. That doesn't exist really when you're talking yeah. about the music industry. That's right. And, and, and it makes a lot of people sour, you know, and I get it, you know, and, but what I found with people who get somewhat soured or disenchanted with the music industry is they create some of the best music out, you know what I mean? Of their lives. Cause they have something yeah. to write about. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I mean, yes, all of those sort of life lessons yeah. that come along with it, right? It's tough to try not to be jaded about it, you know what I mean? But I mean, to me, I just took music as saying as a priority. Okay, my priority in life now is, you know, my kids, my relationship, my family, my everything around me. And music, I love music, but music's really selfish, right? Hmm. In a way, it's yours. Not a lot of people can say, you know, your partner, my partner is like, eh, good, yeah, music, awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing that takes you to the other side of the, of the Atlantic to go play shows for no money. You know? Right, right. So that's the, that's the dynamic you, you, you make with, with the person you're sharing a life with. So to me, I found personal, like music is mine. And for me to enjoy it, it should only just, I just want to enjoy it now, you know? Right. Well, yeah, there is that fine line too with, okay, do I want to do this to be paid? And if I do, I have to kind of play by the rules of yeah. the game. And that, you know, a lot of hardship comes with that. Yeah. And if you just want to do it for your enjoyment, that's a totally different thing. And then, you know, then like you say, then that can be sort of something that you hold just something special for yourself. Yeah. And it, it comes after a body of work. If you have a body of work that's gone for a couple of years or a while, the good stuff does rise to the top eventually when it comes to recognition in, you know, like to play music, you play music in front of people. Come on, let's face it. You know, you want to be recognized. You want to be, yeah. you know, appreciated. Otherwise, you know, if it's not important, then there's no real reason to try and, you know, book a show at some place over there or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when you, when you play music, I, I truly think though, like, the thing that bothers me, like when you're talking about you get pregnant and they just terminate your contract or allegedly because of other reasons or whatever, the heart of the reason is because you got pregnant and life got in the way, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, see, because from their perspective, which I can see they're looking at, they're looking at it from the business side. This is the thing. This is business and money. So when someone can't be there every single day and they have to travel and now they're going to have a baby that means it's eating up more of their money. And do you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, that, but I'm not, certainly but not just. Any company in the world has maternity leave and they have a thing, a contingency plan for that, you know? And no, you know, I know. So true. Yeah. So music for you now, is it, is it a, I mean, if someone came around tomorrow and said, Hey, we want to make an album, want to do these things, but here's the, here's the, here's the rules. You know what I mean? Like, would you, would you, would you bow to the rules or would you just, what's your, what's your look on it? Hmm, I guess it depends on the rules. Yeah. But um, I'm in the process right now of trying to get things together to, to do an album because just as you had kind of said about music, you know, what I'm really, you know, when you, when something like that happens to you, when you're terminated from these contracts and you have things going for you and you realize what really matters, you know, in your life, it's, I've had all this time to think about, okay, what is important to me? And what I found with my music is um, it's just important for me to connect with people. And I've been able to do that in the past little while, even doing things like live music um, on Facebook, playing my songs that I have played in my family room for no one to hear. And then I play them live and have such a strong reaction, you know, people saying, man, I've been through that, or I really connect with that song. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that really means something to me. And I realized that is, that's why I make my music a priority. Uh, for myself. So anyway, all that to say, I realize I need to do an album, but I do know I'm learning more of who I am. So like you say, depending on the rules, 
you know, you hear about artists who say, well, they wanted me to be this or they wanted me to be that. I mean, I think I have a better idea of who I am now. So I would know exactly how I'd want to paint that picture of, of me as an artist. Yeah. That's true. As you know, as we get older, we start to have a lot more self-realization as to what, you know, who we are as people. And, you know, and some don't, I mean, like, but I, I couldn't, you know, I can't, those are the people that cut you off on the highway. Those, <laughs> those, they're not self-realized, you know, that's my, my theory. But it, yeah. to be able to, um, to make something as a, as a, you know, a 30, early 30s, I mean, it's just going to be better. It's just going to be better. I mean, that's the problem with the music industry is it doesn't yeah. allow artists to to age gracefully. You know, a lot of people fake how yeah, old they are. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, isn't that? It's so true um, when that's just kind of when things are coming together. Yeah, right? I know. I, yeah. I, I think, well, I believe, obviously, it's image-based. Industry is image-based, but there are some countries out there that aren't, you know, and they don't really... They don't, they don't care what you look like. You know, my, my oldest joke in this whole podcast is go to Germany. They don't care because they have the scorpions and they're ugly. Like they're ugly as sin. Yet they're <laughs> huge. You know what I mean? They're still playing the ginormodome yeah. somewhere in, in Munich somewhere. But that's sort of a thing that they don't care about like MTV. And I don't think we do anymore. I think I really don't obviously don't play it on music on the TV anymore. It's all on like whatever other channels, but. I, I think we're turning a corner with like image-based music. I mean, we're going to have beautiful people making, you know, consumable music. That's going to be a thing. But people, there's always going to be like a reaction against that. And people are going to go, ah, I don't care what that pretty person does. That, yeah. that, that's not me. I'm not a pretty person. Like, why, <laughs> why should I be worried what the pretty people want to tell me? Like, if we get out of that, I think we're in... We're okay. I mean, we're going to do okay. Yeah. And I think it, um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, whatever's relatable, right? Yeah. But it's interesting too, because um, depending on the genre, like as I think about country music now, I feel like based on who the artists that used to be popular even 10 or 15 years ago has changed so much. Now it's these young 20 year olds, because I'm assuming those are the people that are listening to the music, right? Yeah. There's been a lot of. Those weird crazy industry changes in country music and i can't say i i relate 100 percent to it or agree with it um are you familiar with uh an art artist called wheeler walker jr no i'm not <laughs> he's it's like he's the outlaw country like from that's the country if you just check him out he has the craziest songs he's actually He's a comedian who has an alter ego called Wheeler Walker. It's Ben Hoffman, who has had a show on Comedy Network called The Ben, the ben Show. And he plays this artist, which is like a, a hairy-chested cowboy hat-wearing, you know, trucker cap, kind of, or trucker glasses, kind of like big bushy mustache. And Gosh. and he is now what he, I think country is. He's <laughs> not your granddaddy's country, that's for sure. No, it's but, definitely changed for and sure. All he does, because he's he actually is friends with Sturgill Simpson and those other sort of like those, you know, um, uh, Waylon uh, Jennings, uh, Shooter Jennings, like that elk, like that's sort of like the country that the, the, the bad boys, the punkers, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. And he 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 sort of plays up to that, and um, he like picks fights with like Florida Georgia Line and stuff, and 
I'll have to check them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty dirty. Don't no, don't make sure your kids are make sure your kids aren't okay. around for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's he's a he's a he's one of a kind. But I mean, so the new country, like the more you know, the 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 hip hoppy, auto tuny country. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I can fully relate to that yet. No, uh, I I'm honestly. Not sure I can either. Yeah. Some of it okay, it's not bad, but uh, yeah, a lot of it I feel. What's well, interesting, actually, I mean, I still listen to some country, but I've been actually going more towards listening to pop lately, because I feel like the country sometimes now is just country trying to be pop. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I'd rather just listen to. I'll just listen to Katy Perry, or I'll just listen to pop music. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because it's kind of gone a different way. Like it's definitely not what like I. I fell in love, like I said, with Jody Messina and um, and the Faith Hill in the nineties. Mm -hmm. Like I loved that kind of music, and then I kind of went backwards from there, trying to research, like, hey, what did I miss in this genre? So yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. So yeah, I oh, it's it's just and, yeah, it's just a uh, it's um obviously that's the creepy part of the industry. It's like, Hey, they can be money made. How are we going to do this? Well, great. And then the funny thing about when people do like the smash up genre thing where they take hip hop and, and, and country and put it together and make it into something. I bet you a lot of those people are at those parties going, I can't believe it worked. Yeah, exactly. Well, who knows? Who would have thunk, you know, no, it's there's, true. there's no real, like real people who can, there's people who think they can read what the industry or where it's going, yeah. but it's like playing roulette. You know what I mean? You're like, eh, I could bet hard or I can, you know, bet on black, you know, and, and see if I yes. can have a 50% chance of winning or have a 35, one in 35 chance in winning. It's the bigger chance you make. And I, mean, I think the yeah. other problem is now is nobody's really betting on the inside of the roulette table. If you catch my drift. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are still those people that are do true country and they do rise above and, and, you know, people still get praised for that. I mean, do you know Chris Stapleton? Uh, yeah. The name is, yeah. Anyway, he's, country i would even say soul too but anyway so there are still those people that people in the industry are like yes fine you know real country music yeah. i know there are still those types of people but yeah certainly has taken quite the turn yeah <laughs> so we'll see where it goes from here yeah the small town pistols wrote a, a actual country song that i only smoke when i drink song and the interesting story behind that is that country radio a lot of it didn't add it I'm like, are you kidding me? This is as country as it gets. And a lot of country stations were like, yeah, I don't think we're going to we're going to play this. Two country. <laughs> two country. Country, country radio. for country it's radio. Probably true. I know. It's nuts. You can't, you know, you can't figure it out. That's just it. Yeah. Yeah, they've done some pretty neat things too. Like they've they've done a they've done some vinyl live to vinyl. They've done that sort of stuff. That's a new thing too is vinyl is such a I think it was it this year that vinyl outsold CDs. Uh, oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's just well, who would have thought? Yeah, that's pretty cool. When they switch all the lights off, we'll have record players, and that's how we'll be able to consume our music. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, they have probes in space. They sent out the space in the '60s, and there's records in there because which which talks about like our language and our or our languages and our culture. And they sent this probe out in the space in the '60s, and people get it. And it's, just, it's got records and real pictures and stuff like that. And I think they're going to come back like the aliens have come to earth thinking we all have record players and slick back hair and drive big cars yeah. and <laughs> gas guzzling. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
in the fu- the future now like what do you what do you see like we kind of touched a little bit on like family and how family you know plays in in, in a musical career but how do you how do you see yourself in the next 15 years? Like when your kids grow or your kids grow older and, and they become like my kids are, my one son doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. He's 14. Hates me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to be the cool dad and I'm not. Yeah. He's over it now. Yeah. yeah. So when my daughter now, she's 11, she turns 13. That's it. I got nobody. So maybe, maybe I have a chance to reignite my, uh, my power pop in emo career. <laughs> Very funny. Well, it's true. Yeah, you get a little bit more time on your hands. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Fifteen years. Oh my goodness, I have to like sit and think about that. I mean, I guess I haven't thought that far ahead. But what I have thought about is how much I really enjoy, and I feel this sort of peace when I make time to do music every day, like creating it. Mm. Even, um, I just I really enjoy having goals and things like that to work towards. So like I said, I'm trying to um, raise funds. I have a GoFundMe page for doing an album. And um, I still try to make time just for myself to write uh, or the odd co-write. So when my kids get older and I have more time, I think I see myself oh, just constantly creating this music. And I would like to get back to Nashville as far as connecting. And um, well, that's where I'd like to do my album. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that that makes sense to me and um and you know just getting down there to connect with those creative people i'm not saying there's not creative people here they're all kind of just condensed in one place down there (laughs) so yeah yeah. i think to going across the border and being even 12 hours north which is kind of nashville yeah is that people think oh they've made she's made the effort she's made the trip and now she's in the club and when you're writing in say in Toronto or in that area, first of all, it doesn't really have a scene like that. Like, no, it's, it's very different. Yeah. Like for a country, especially, I don't even know what the Toronto scene is anymore. I live so far away from Toronto now. I was like both figuratively and literally, I, I don't know what people do then. It seems like all the people do is write commercials song for <laughs> song for that could be, yeah. I wouldn't even know. That's just it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know there's, there's definitely an- a hub. I know there's a little a cool folk scene still. Like I, I have, I've, I've had some friends who, who still play coffee houses and do kind oh, yeah. of neat stuff like that. But you know, if you have big dreams, I guess that's that's the place to go is to Nashville or or to, you know, it, it's funny that you we have such great technology where you could sit on the other end of a Skype conversation, write music with somebody, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as being in the room with them. It's not quite the same, is it? Yeah, I mean, and I have done that. It's kind of crazy. I was, I've been co-writing with a friend, kind of through text, if you can even believe that, and even doing like voice memos back and forth to each other. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's not the same as that energy of sitting down in the same room as somebody. Uh, but yeah, I used to always say when people would say, you know, I'm serious about this. Um, where do I take my music? And I would say, Nashville, New York City, or L.A. Because I feel like. I am not saying Toronto was not an option either, but those were the first three that came to my mind. Yeah. As far as if you want to, you know, play in the big leagues, right? Yeah. The other, I mean, when you come back though, you've done something, you see the eye, you see the world differently, you know, so you can put that back into Toronto. If there's anything, you know what I mean? To, to come out of yeah. it is that you've, if you've exported yourself out of that scene. You can come back and either be a part of it or not because you've already went and created something of your own your own yeah. network. Yeah. You know, that's important. 
you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, when I was in my late twenties and coming in thirties, early thirties, I, the only place I could go and play music was Europe because there was no way that Canadian music would tolerate a, you know, a late twenties, early thirties, you know, musician. And then Europe was like, well, we like it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, great. I'll just, I'll just go there. You know, even though it's 6,000 kilometers away and it costs a fortune to get there. Right. And I, and America was like, we don't want you. We don't want you in America because we just don't want you. We don't care what you do or how you do it. We just don't want you because it costs thousands of dollars to go there. And I haven't played one show in America since 1993. That's the last time I ever played a song in America. But you do it in Europe. I do it in Europe. Yeah, I went there six times. That's interesting. Because it was, I show up, I have a guitar in my hand and they go, hi, what are you doing? I'm here to play music. Awesome. Come on in, you know. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, something I've never really, I guess I've never, I've maybe slightly thought of it, but not too much. So, yeah, the scene is just so much more. I mean, that scene, I don't know what the country scene is like. I don't think, I know the pop scene is that off the charts. Yeah. You know, like they had a whole thing there with like Euro trash kind of music too, which was like, I thought was, was ex- fascinating because it was like 80s synth pop with a twist, you know, and that was the biggest thing in Europe. And it was like, ah, of course it is, you know, (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, and I just think though, the musical trends there are there. I don't know what it is. I think the fact that you get on a plane and fly there and come off a plane and they look at you and you speak funny that they go, Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Where (laughs) when you go down to Nashville and you have a funny Canadian accent, they're like, ah, another one of you. That's right. (laughs) More Canadians. What are they doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, true. well. So, so you you just you know you're just gonna keep keep playing. That sounds like what I, the answer I got. Yeah, exactly. Just keep singing and looking for opportunities. Keep writing, and kind of see you know see where it leads me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like the optimism too because you know if you've gone through some some crap and it's sort of spit you out, then you're like. I could see how, well, for me personally, it's like, ah, do I really? I was just talking to my friend Mark last week. He's going to be on the show this week. Like, What's the point? <laughs> and he's like, exactly. Right. What's the point? I'm like, yeah. Well, that's yeah. right. You revisit what the point is. Yeah. Right. And it really makes you think, why am I doing this? And how, you know, how should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the publishing industry is so cutthroat um, in Nashville. Like I would say. I think a few years ago, if you'd asked me that, I would have said, well, I'm going to just keep going to Nashville. I'm going to try and get a pu- another publishing deal. And that's the goal. But um, it's just changed so much. And it's not that it's just so competitive. It's actually it's actually things that are a little bit out of my element right now. I was speaking with a friend who writes down there. And she said, you know, she has had to learn how to, do, um, how to build tracks and stuff mm-hmm. because of the whole pop element. You know, she writes with people, like basically she'll, sit in a room with a producer yeah. and an artist maybe, and then she helps to write a song. And that just feels so, hmm, I don't know what the word is. That just feels so far out of my reach. Detached, yeah. Detached of that I um, can't really get my head around that. So that's why I feel like maybe that's just not my avenue right now. Yeah. Well, I, think- I just want to keep making the music that I feel yeah. I have to offer. And I really hope it just finds somewhere to land, you know? Yeah. I think that's a sign of the times. I think they want people to be jack of all trades and they don't yeah. and masters of none. Because eventually, if you're really good at a lot of stuff, you're not going to be amazing at certain things. Right. You know, so if you just get good at working a computer, is that 
is first of all, you're wasting all that time, not wasting, but you're spending all that time learning and that might be great, but are you good at it? Nobody knows. It's like when you learn right. the piano, some people are really good at piano and they don't even really practice that much. And some people right. really work at it and they're okay or they're passable. Yeah, so yeah. you could, the same thing applies with anything like painting or, or whatever. So if you're like, oh, I'm pretty good at making tracks, but you're not awesome. Well, how's that going to help you? You know, that's right. back in sort of the days where it was like I had, a, there was a person that did, you know, even just the industry part, there was a publicist, there was a, a person that got you on the radio. And then there was that person that was your image consultant. And then all these people worked together and they were a team and they're really good at what they did individually. Otherwise they wouldn't be working, you know? Right. And now it's sort of, they're asking everybody to sort of combine their own talents to be pretty good songwriters, but amazing networkers, you know? That's right. Yeah, that's the tricky part, right. you know. So if somebody uh, comes out of it, exact. so whoever's really good at everything wins, I guess. <laughs> Pretty well, <laughs> I guess that's right. Yeah, and networking—I mean, you nailed it, right? Like you have to be there. Yeah, uh, that's so much of what it is now. Not so much. Not saying it doesn't take a great song, but yeah, I mean, you just have, you have to be there. To yeah, network. yeah, and people that want to work with you and your music—that's still—I still think there's a viable point. There's still a. a um, there's a, a weight in that, you know? So if you have three people who endorse you that work in different parts of the music industry that pool together their powers to make you a superpower, then right, right. that's where, that's, that's when you win, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 It's a game too. I mean, yeah. play, Oh, absolutely. It is. That game. That's the game. That's well, right. I, yeah. Well, I, I enjoyed talking to you. I, I, you know, I, I wish you all the luck and, you know, and keep writing music and, uh, Maybe you can send me a song or two or I'll go find something somewhere. I will, absolutely. Yeah. I just uh well, I just recorded and released a Christmas song oh. called December again. So I'll have to send that to you. Yeah, do that um, and I'll put it on. I'll put yeah. it on. Yeah. Okay, cool. And thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed talking to you as well. I can hear silver bells wrapped up in a blanket, watching the snow falling down. Headlights glow through the window pane, making fresh tire tracks, turning up the driveway. When it feels like an old familiar song, when every house feels like a home, when strangers have the face of a friend It must be December again It must be December again People brush past my coat In the shuffle of the crowd They all search the shell Something that can't be found It's in the memory In the scent of cinnamon It's in the feeling I can't explain When November ends When it feels Like an old familiar song When every house feels like a home When strangers 
have the face of a friend It must be December again It must be December again Ooh, the way the cold wind blows Reminds me most this time of year But it feels just like you're here When it feels like an old familiar song When every house feels like a home When strangers have the face of a friend must be December again. It must be December again. And that was December again. Lisa McEwen's solo effort from her Christmas song that she's putting out. So, you know what? If you want to cozy up to the fire, put a blanket on, watch some stuff, watch some stuff on TV, that's a good song to do that to. So, everybody, thanks so much for listening to this show. Thanks for checking out Bo's All Natural Brewing. Thank you for them for being a sponsor. It's been six months now almost they've been a sponsor for. And uh, they've sent me a lot of beer. I must admit that much part. And it's been great. And, uh, Let's uh, let's keep it going, Bose. All right, all right. Thanks for everybody shopping on Amazon. Thanks for supporting the show by going to appalock.ca/amazon or appalock.ca/usamazon. It's um, that's been doing really good too. Thanks to my patrons by those those awesome people over on Patreon.com/appalock. Become a become a patron today. Support the show. And uh, coming up on three years of podcasting, everybody. Three years. That's longer than any band I've ever had put together. It's true. It's a true, true story. You want to know who's next week? I don't know. It's going to be somebody. It's going to be actually. There's a. There's a couple of. There's a couple of people on deck. They haven't recorded yet, but um, there's a producer, recording engineer guy that I know, or a friend of a friend. There's also a guy from a band called American Standards, which are a band down in the United States of America. Those are going to be two more episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. And then I'm going to have a best of episode that I could do every year. And uh, maybe I'll get a co- co-host on in on that one. Last year I did it by myself, and it was a little frightening, but it was fun to do. And uh, yeah, everything's great. I'm having a good time. Hope you're having a good time, too. Thanks for everybody for coming back. I know winter is a little slow time for podcasts, but keep them coming. Keep telling a friend and I'll keep putting them out. So thanks for coming. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.